Welcome to the Black History and Law Reflection Series. My name is Orissa. I'm a third year law student. And during this Black History Month, I'm just taking the opportunity to speak with some law students and aspiring lawyers within the University of Birmingham to reflect on what Black History Month means to them in relation to law and justice. So today I'm joined by Titi and um, Cointola, who are both founding committee members of the University of Birmingham Black Women's Society. Would you both like to introduce yourselves? Hi, uh, my name is Titi Abedina. I am a second year law student at the University of Birmingham. So I am the chair of the University of Birmingham Black Women's Society, which was founded this year by a committee of 10 people, 10 students at the university. So the aim of the University of Birmingham Black Women's Society, otherwise known as BWS, is to create a community for black female students at the university to um, provide events, careers opportunities, and just a kind of cushioning to kind of soften the blow of university life and a lot of the experiences that we face as black women and students today and so we aim to kind of just continue that aim as the year progresses and then pass the baton on to the future um, committee. Um, Hi guys, my name is Koen Salah, I'm also a second year law student Um, in the society I'm the faith director so I'm here to kind of be a beacon of light for people who are of faith and just provide that community for people who want to increase their faith and people want to get to know more about other faiths. It's not only um, focused on Christianity because a lot of black women are either Christian or Muslim. It's more focused on faith in general. And um, my role is to take the opportunity to debate topics on faith-related things like new religious movements, what faith has meant to you, um, all that sort of thing and yeah. Thank you. Um, I think it's great that this you guys have helped to start this society and anyone listening who's interested, definitely go and check them out, follow them on Instagram. Is there anywhere else that they can get in touch with you guys? Um, so yeah, we have an Instagram page and we also um, have a Twitter page um, and we're working on setting up a LinkedIn as well. So if you wanna contact us on either of those platforms, then feel free to do so. Yeah, sounds like an incredible community to get involved with. All right, so just to kick off, I think it's really important to ground any conversations around Black History Month in the concept itself. Um, and I have my own opinions, but I'm I'm interested to hear from your from you guys. What does Black History Month as a concept mean to you, and what do you prioritize when the month rolls around every October? Um, so for me, Black History Month is all about kind of remembering the impact of black individuals over time. So um, recently now there's been a resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, which focuses on kind of the significance of black lives today. But what we need to remember is that black lives don't just matter now, but they've always mattered. And so for me, Black History Month is a way of kind of remembering where we came from Um back in the day and then kind of tracing that back tracing that forwards to today and seeing the impact of black people over time and remembering that and celebrating it in so many different ways through things like events through sessions like this recordings like this through education reading and stuff like that and just kind of remembering that black people have a lot of positive history beyond the negativity we see in the media all the time and that you know it's worth celebrating 
Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with all of that. Um, and I think as a really important thing as well uh, when approaching Black History Month is to, while we're looking at the past and reflecting on that, we l critically analyze the present and why we're here and how we can sort of improve and make the world better for Black communities and for everyone. So uh, on that note, I'd be really interested to hear um, about a black his a historical event or person in black history that really resonates with you and why um so yes um a key figure I, that resonates with me in black history is dame linda dodds so she was the first black female high court judge um, and she served from 2004 to 2013 and she's currently retired and one of the reasons why she inspires me and she kind of stands out above all others is because um, as uh, we talk about how things are quite difficult for black people generally, but what we don't understand, we don't, what we don't talk about enough is the kind of intersectionality that when, when you're a black woman, you know, you have these kind of com combined forces of, you know, being a woman and being black that kind of act against you in a way. Um, and so as a black woman, the fact that she made it to this kind of prestigious position just demonstrates that, you know, if she can do it, I can do it as well. And it kind of acts as a really inspirational um, thing for young black girls to see, um, to encourage them to not only study law, but to, you know, do the necessary training and work to that, to get to that position um, and kind of carry on the legacy, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. That sort of representation is so important because, um, it's difficult to strive for something when you can't see um, an example of that success. So it's really great that we have people like Dame Linda, Dame Linda Dobbs to look up to um, and strive for, yeah. And I guess thinking about the challenges that these people face, I guess leads on to another thing that I know you guys want to speak about in terms of black representation in legal study and in the legal profession. Do, do you guys want to talk a little bit about the experience being black in law school? Um, I think when I first started my law degree, so that was last year, I think one of the most shocking things um, that I discovered was how white centric the legal studies program at the university um, is. And I think now there have been some steps made to kind of decolonize the curriculum, um, as they say. I think back then it was, I found that it was very white centric. And, you know, for example, a lot of the um, content, a lot of, a lot of the content, a lot of the, I just, I just think the whole thing was very white centric and I couldn't see myself in the law. And I, I guess when you think about it in this way, it's kind of like most of the judges are white. Um, most of the um, cases are very kind of old. And so you wouldn't really expect to see many black people then, but, in the same sense, it was like for things like LSAM and stuff like that, they still were very white, in my opinion. And I feel like more effort could have been made to make the um, elements of the curriculum that weren't necessarily like core modules um, more diverse and more representative of the black student um, population or uh, I should say black ethnic minority student population. Um, because I think when the curriculum isn't very diverse, you as a minority ethnic student don't feel comfortable studying it. You don't feel motivated to study it because you don't um, read about things that reflect your experiences. And that can be really off-putting because um, 
you know, law is a very difficult subject generally. And when you kind of don't feel a connection with the law, um, it's quite difficult to motivate yourself to carry on. And so I feel like one of the things we need to work on moving forward, and like I said, there have been kind of um, efforts made to decolonize the curriculum. I think we need to do more in that kind of realm to decolonize curriculums, not just law, but all kinds of um, subjects and make black and minority ethnic students feel more welcome um, in the law um, and in the legal profession as well. Because I think once you feel a connection to the law, um, you will definitely feel more encouraged to carry on and become a lawyer, become a barrister, become uh, the next Dame Linda Dobbs. But until the, the very beginning point is um, your kind of studies. And if you kind of if you don't feel comfortable early on, you just won't carry on. That's why we have a lot of a really high um, dropout rate for black and minority ethnic students, especially in the law, because I think some students just don't feel comfortable studying law. They don't feel interested. And I think it's something that we should definitely work on and um, law schools should work on as well, um, just to m make black students feel like they matter, like we matter. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you say. And that's after getting into law school, um, when you um, see these, the, the lack of representation and how demotivating that can be. But even before, I remember going through school and doing history, it wasn't law, but I, never studied any history that I could see myself in um, and so I just didn't really engage as much with the topic as I would have so when I think about all the potential lawyers potential law students out there who maybe look at the career look at what's presented and don't see themselves and so don't even try to get involved um, it's really sad to think about so definitely but it's great to see some of the steps that have been taken um, to decolonize the curriculum and to think about things more critically. Um, I definitely think that a huge part of that is representation in the faculty as well, because naturally when you have people from certain backgrounds talking about issues, they're going to bring their experiences to the table. So I think that's another important way that law schools and all schools can have better representation in what they're teaching as well. I agree, yeah. Yeah. Probably. And I guess on the topic of working in a corporate environment, what, from your experiences, I'm sure you've attended a few open days, maybe gone to a few networking events. What are your experiences with sort of navigating your blackness in those spaces. I know um, in my personal experience before going to an interview, I'll think a lot more about what to do with my hair than maybe my non-black counterparts might think, you know, sh should I braid it? If I braid it, will I be um, judged for braiding it? If I leave it in an Afro, is it gonna be considered to be unprofessional? I don't know if you guys have had any experiences like that. I think for me, it's more like, I don't know, I feel like around corporate white people, I have to kind of dampen my personality a bit. Like, I shouldn't laugh too loud because they'll think that, oh, she's a bit much. Or I shouldn't kind of, because when I'm expressing myself, like I use a lot of gestures. And for some people, that may come across as I'm I'm coming for you, but I'm just, you. that's just, I just use a lot of body language to communicate. And some certain, certain corporate white people, they see that as kind of a, I don't know, it's very weird. Like, I feel like as black girls, we have to kind of, 
like take our personalities down a notch because it can come across as like overwhelming for like white commercial lawyers I don't know that's just me personally like I worked in an office environment I have to I have to kind of I'm not too much but I can be very animated so in that environment I kind of had to I felt like I had to reel myself in a bit and just be a bit more boring to suit mm. the environment which isn't really that fair for black women because we're always yeah. being constantly told that we're too much we're too loud we're too this and it's sad but that's just one thing I'm kind of not looking forward to I want to be able to be myself and feel free in the office and feel free in the space without making anyone feel like um oh she's she's a bit this she's a bit that so I think that's just one thing that maybe law firms should kind of work on kind of changing the mentality of the lawyers and kind of um understand that not everyone we're not go- we're not going to be a carbon copy of each other embrace everyone's personalities as long as you're a positive person then it shouldn't be a problem yeah it's it's definitely great to see firms that work on that um aspect of not just accepting people from different areas but actively educating themselves and demonstrating that they can nurture and welcome um different types of people different types of personalities different cultures accents all of those things um into the workspace because i think that's always a shame when the focus is all put into accepting students and this also can go back to university and studying in law school you can accept people from a certain background into university but then if they don't have any support system like you know that the black women society that you guys have created if these black women aren't given that support throughout law school then it's much more difficult to succeed so yeah support systems representation so incredibly important um so none of us would like to be barristers but i i don't know if you have heard about since you know the resurgence of the black lives matter mu- movement during the summer throughout the summer throwing is not a word i don't know what happened <laughs> <laughs> um i've been really shocked um to hear various barristers coming out um to tell to talk about cases where they've been mistaken for defendants um because of the colors of their skin when going to work um and have you guys heard about that yeah so mm-hmm. actually that's quite interesting because i follow um this barrister on instagram her name is I think it was Alexandra Wilson. Yeah, yeah. She has yeah. a book out. And then there was this scandal. It wasn't really a scandal. Like, she shared a story of her um, attending court. She was representing someone. And then they mistook her for the defendant. And, you know, it was really random because she, I, she didn't look like the defendant. But I'm guessing the individual seeing her as a black woman, um, they just assumed she was a defendant. And I found that really crazy because here you have a black woman who's worked hard, you know, becoming a barrister isn't easy right um and she's worked hard to get to where she is and now you know she's being mistaken for um a defendant a criminal and I think that's really crazy because it just demonstrates how you know you can work as hard as you do work and people will still disrespect you people still won't take you seriously um as a black person and especially as a black woman and you know and it's just I think it's just ridiculous but it's just one of the things we experience we go through and yeah it's just character building but I did find that story really really shocking yeah and something that really stood out to me that she um, mentioned in a in a video clip was that it was not only was it terrible for her to be racially profiled when she's going into work but also um 
the fact that there was a situation where I think a judge has shouted at her to get out of the room um, until her case was supposed to come around. The fact that it was okay, it was considered acceptable for the judge to speak that way to a black defendant itself is a problem because, I mean, when you're a defendant, the idea is that you're innocent until proven guilty. So, and even if you are guilty, even if you are a criminal, um, and have been classed that way, everyone should be treated with respect within the justice system. Um, so, yeah, I think representation will help that. And the fact that these barristers are feeling empowered to share their stories um, is incredibly important because it must be difficult. You just want to go to work and be respected and recognized for the work you do, not for all the extra baggage. So. We're fortunate that we're able to have people to go before us and share these problems before we get there. Okay, so I think the final message I wanted to just send out into the world is that representation matters. Like we've touched on this a lot in this recording, but I think representation matters a lot more than people realize. Um, I think being a young black girl, um, coming from a background where you don't necessarily know any lawyers or people in the legal profession or um, legal studies. It's important to have access to loads of, um, as many as you can, um, figures like on social media and stuff and stuff like that who inspire you and who demonstrate to you that it's possible to get to where they've gotten. Um, and I think so representation matters in that sense. Representation is also important in terms of like universities, having people in the faculty, um, lecturers, tutors, seminar leaders, it's really important to have representation. And I think until people start taking like proper tangible steps to increasing representation, it's going to be really hard for us to talk about diversity, to talk about um, black history and all that kind of stuff, because, you know, we won't progress until we feel inspired to progress. And I think that's kind of the main issue. And that is why representation has and always will matter, in my opinion. I think it's important for everyone to know that black women, there are many of us are very, very intelligent and very, very hardworking. And we need to be taken more seriously by our peers and by our lecturers. And we need our experiences to be heard. They need to be listened to in the corporate world and acknowledged. And it's important for them to try and make, um, to try and resolve these things. So yeah, it's, that's my closing argument. Not argument, gosh, closing statement. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, always the law student, always debating, <laughs> putting yeah. forward the argument. We love uh -huh. that. But yes, thank you, um, Titi and Coin, for joining me today. It's been um, incredible to hear your perspective on things. And I really hope the listeners have had some food for thought um, and can continue the conversation throughout the year. Thank you.